What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night, December 20th. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined once again by the one and only Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia All-American, a longtime basketball pro, and he is now a podcast host with me. So uh, congratulations on the step up in your career, Deshaun. Once again, it's baby steps to get to the the level you are, Rob. So I'm (laughs) I'm working my tail off, bro. I'm working my tail off. How you doing, man? Everything good? Yeah, man, I can't complain, man. You? Tired. Two kids at home all day, every single day. Um, ready ready for that to change, but it kind of is what it is. So uh, so I, I'm, I'll tell you what, man, I'm ready for Christmas. I, every yeah. single morning, I, I am so tired of every single morning waking up and be like, Daddy, how many days until Christmas now? One less than when we had this conversation yesterday. Oh, man. I don't have to worry about that. We got this little, this little tree thing we have, like one of those uh, – it's like uh, – the, the advent house. calendars yeah like basically like the kids like they get to put the little uh magnet on the uh, number so they, right, they count right. it down themselves so any questions they ask they can figure it out on their own i'm, I'm not talking to you about that we uh we got something that's kind of like that it's uh it's like an advent calendar where you get like the little uh, nativity scene set up mm-hmm. and you, yeah. you you wrap each one of them in a present and then you tie it up next to a number on this like big thing that we have hanging down Oh, uh, so elaborate. my son gets to open, yeah, he gets to open a, like a little present every single day, but like numbers don't, he's five, man. numbers don't <laughs> register yet. I'll tell you what though, like this uh, is completely off topic, <laughs> but he learned, he, how about this? He learned like all of his math from the Netflix show number blocks. Have you discovered number blocks yet? No, nah, I have not at all. Yeah. It's, yo, listen, listen, let me tell you. Make sure your children, anybody listening to this, make sure your children, if they're not good with numbers, have them put on number blocks. Because we watch that, like I let my son watch that. It's five-minute episodes. There's like 150, literally 150 of them on Netflix. There's a bunch of iPad ads. Like, they didn't pay us. Like, I'm just I'm just pushing this out there because it's unbelievable. And secretly, um, you secretly have stock in uh <laughs> I did I don't hey bro, look, I need to buy stock in it. I'll tell you that much. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, my son, like, and it was randomly like we were just kind of like, Chase, what's six plus six? Twelve. What's three times three? Nine. What's nine times nine? Eighty-one. Like he, all of a sudden, he's got like his multiplication tables down. He's five. It's unbelievable. Anyway, okay. okay. Anyway, we got a lot to talk to. It was a wild weekend of college basketball. Uh, Gonzaga played Iowa. We have to talk about that. Yes. Um, Xavier hit a buzzer beater. The Big East went crazy. Uh, Wisconsin absolutely embarrassed Louisville. We're going to get to all of that. Uh, plus, I got to talk my shit a little bit about Rutgers. You know that. Yeah, uh, you can. Before I do, you can. I, I, yeah, you know I'm going to. You yeah, know but, I'm going to. I, but I pick, but I pick Wisconsin, so I'm not tripping. Anyway, yeah, continue. Anyway, let me tell you guys a little bit about the official odds provider of the Field of 68 Media Network. That's DraftKings Sportsbook. The 2021 
college basketball season is here. And teams around the country have taken the offseason, they've retooled, they've revamped, and they've hit the court running. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has rolled out another one of their can't-miss offers. Trying DraftKings Sportsbook is easy, so what are you waiting for? Get in on the action now. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new players 100-to-1 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any featured matchup this week. And if your team wins, you cash a crisp $100. You're not going to get a bill. It's just going to be money in your account, but you can cash that out. You can cash it out right away. Um, and while we are all excited for basketball being back, don't forget we have ball games coming up. We have college football playoffs coming up and we have the NFL playoffs coming up. So download the free DraftKings Sportsbook app right now to check out all of their daily odds boosts. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable, and it makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code FIELD68, that's FIELD68, when you sign up to get 101 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's code FIELD68 for new players to get a shot at $100 on any featured matchup this week for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania residents only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Deshaun, it's the Monday Overreactions podcast. So what we're going to do is I'm going to provide you with my overreactions, and you are going to tell me if you agree, if you disagree, if you think I'm an idiot, which you probably do. So we're going to start this off. We're, we're not it. We're not even. We're not even testing the water. We're diving in. We're going in head first. We're going in cannonball style. Are you ready for this? Um, I hope I am. I hope I am. <laughs> Gonzaga is going undefeated, and they are going to win the national title without losing once this season. <sighs> There's like a lot of uh, stuff to unpack with that. One, I need to know if they're going to actually reschedule that Baylor game. Is that ever going to happen before they get into? I I don't so I don't have any inside info on this. Yeah, but I wonder. That's why I was curious. The the game that they scheduled against Virginia was like in that window where it would have made sense for Gonzaga to schedule Baylor. Yeah. And the game is happening in Fort Worth, which is like right up the road from Baylor. So. Does it mean that they're like it's it's on December twenty sixth? So does that mean that they're going to try to schedule it like on Christmas Eve? Are they going to try to play this game like afterwards? Are they going to try to play it on the twenty third? So if it hasn't been announced for this week yet, I don't know if that's something that's going to happen. It feels like if you're playing a number one versus number two, like you're going to have to do some scheduling. You're going to have to get the uh, the networks involved, CBS or ESPN or whoever it is is going to have to agree to televise the game you have to get the production crew there you got to get the production truck there you have to secure an arena actually playing so i think it seems relatively unlikely that we are going to get baylor or gonzaga but you know my my fingers are still crossed that it happens all right so to your your question i mean excuse me to your uh your your reaction there you want my reaction to that i say it, it will look like they can go undefeated i feel like if they don't play Baylor at all and all that's left in their way is the Virginia team I mean Virginia out of everybody they will play for the rest of the season 
will give them probably a big miss, a mismatch issue. And I say mismatch issue, issue I, I kind of was hoping that WVU kind of exploited this because they play two bigs at the same time. Um, when Corey Kispers on the floor, he's their four man. And he, he's a mismatch in a sense as well because he's a more of a wing playing the four on that team. It makes them faster. It makes them uh, spread the court extremely better so they can, you know, shoot and run. They could do a lot of things with Corey Kispers at the four. I thought WVU, when they played Gonzaga, didn't exploit the fact that Corey Kisper isn't a true big. And they didn't try to set up any high lows. They didn't use Derek Culver to go at him. They all they focused all their intention on going at Drew Timmy. And it was none of it was to take advantage of the mismatch that was there with Corey Kisper. I wonder, will Virginia be able to do that? Now, Virginia is a they haven't played anybody really <laughs> that's my only issue with virginia I, w- I was pulling for baylor to play him because baylor is another team that plays more than six seven guys that their, their five guys have uh they all average double figures similar to uh gonzaga this team with virginia is i would say it's like top heavy with more like two and a half guys um they don't average many assists they it, and if they don't shoot it well, they kind of like fold. So I don't think you can fold against a team who on average is like averaging 19 points. Like is they get a lead, they keep it. Like they, they average like 19 point leads on the teams that they played out of four games. So like it's a, t- it's a game of runs. I just can't see Virginia really dominating Gonzaga unless they take advantage of, you know, Hauser against – Corey Kisper, because they don't have any clear advantages anywhere else. Like it's, it's all leading towards, you know, Gonzaga. Like if if Jay Huff can keep protect the paint, that's that's cool. And if if Hauser can lead the way, that'd be awesome. But I just I don't see you beating this team unless they just shoot absolutely terrible, and then they have to play their bench, who doesn't really score as much. Gonzaga, I'm talking about. Then I that's the only way I can see you even keeping up with them. Other than that, now nah, I can't see Virginia beating them. And then you get into, you get into the West coast conference and we got to pray that the uh, field of 68 is golden boy coach golden can uh, take them down. Cause they, they beat another top team earlier this year in Virginia and St. Mary's and who else? Uh, blah, who else? BYU, maybe, maybe BYU. I was going to say. And after that, it's like, they're, they're going to lap them, and then they're going to go into the tournament. What I will say is, do I think they'll win a national championship? I think it'll be very difficult to play the competition they'll play in their conference and then win a national championship and be ready to, like, go out there swinging. Now, maybe they'll go undefeated. They'll get a high ranking, a high seed. They'll play a lower seed. They'll beat that lower seed. But then sooner or later, you're going to start matching up. And without playing a tough team for a while – like, you know, steel sharpening steel, that could be an issue for them, which is usually is an issue for them later in the end of the seasons like they've had. Like they they kill. <laughs> they kill once they get in the conference play. And they always set up these great non-conference games during the uh, during the non-conference schedule and they play well and they do what they're supposed to do this year, especially. And, you know, hopefully that lasts into the tournament because I can very well see the relaxed stage kicking in after they get to their conference and then now all of a sudden you're in the tournament. So. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I think that they, they, I think that they are the best suited for any team 
um, that we've seen. Like, we always have this conversation, right? Like, can this team put it together? Can they make a run? Is this going to be the year that someone goes undefeated? And sometimes it's uh, it's Kentucky that does it, and they and they get to 38 and no one gets to the Final Four without a loss. Sometimes it's Wichita State, and they get to the second round and lose to Kentucky. Uh, last year it was San Diego State. Um, I think – you know, the, the Kentucky team, I guess, probably since Kentucky, this is the team that this Gonzaga team is the best suited to make that run because of what you just said. Uh, not only are they playing in a conference that they should not, they're never going to be like an underdog ever. They're probably going to be at least a double digit favorite in every game they play in league play. They might even be a double digit favorite against Virginia. I don't know how you could pick Virginia to do anything against them. Like yeah, we saw Virginia. <laughs> It's the, we, it's the only roadblock they have at the moment. <laughs> Virginia's, Virginia's struggling to, to get out of the 70s with overtime against Kent State. Like, and, yeah. and you got Gonzaga here. And Gonzaga, like Gonzaga's going to put up 90 points basically every night they play. Yeah. West Virginia is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They, and they scored 80. 80. Yeah, they scored 87. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know how Virginia is going to be able to run with Gonzaga, which – means that they're probably going to – as long as they don't have any kind of coronavirus things. And, like, that's the big yeah. issue this season is, you know, let's say um, someone on the team gets it and it spreads and all of a sudden, like, the three best players – let's say, I don't know, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, and Drew Timmy all happen to catch it in the same period and they end up being out for two weeks and it, not, it takes out their legs and it takes out their uh, their wind and they come back and all of a sudden in the second round they end up playing some team – um, like they get Kentucky in the second round and Kentucky has finally figured things out and they end up getting knocked off. Like that's a realistic scenario. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, maybe not Kentucky. Kentucky seems like they hate yeah. each other and they're very bad, but yeah. Um, but don't you think 80 point like granted Gonzaga is a very, very, very good team, man. Like offensively just watching them play against Iowa. was just like, I saw, I knew it was going to happen. I just, I didn't think it would happen that quickly into the game. They but. got whatever they wanted. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, Deshaun, but like at the, you know how when you're like playing a pickup game and when you're playing like a men's league and you're going up against a team that like is just like the guys there are just like nowhere near good enough to stop you, and they're they're tired and they're not really playing defense and you're kind of moving the ball around and it's like you have shooters they're just standing at the three wide open but they're like. Do I want to take this? Because I could literally get this on every like every single possession at any point that I've ever wanted to. I could get that shot right there. So they just pass it up and they go and do something else. Um, and something dumb. And they turn the ball over. Like it got to the point that Gonzaga was doing that against the number three team in the country. Like I've never I've never seen that before in a game that was supposed to be this high level. I mean, it was it was a display they put on. I mean, uh, offensively, I was. I won't say the I won't use the word amazed because I it it was just it was very impressive what they did, but then again I got to keep in the context that the they played against a team that can't guard as well. But mm-hmm. the thing I'm worried about with Gonzaga is them giving up 80 points a game. That's just like that's a lot, but the, I mean they're, and they're outscoring it by like 13 points a game too though, so that's like a, a plus in a sense. But to give up 80 points a game. God forbid they don't have a night where they're hitting or God forbid they just are going through the motions one night. 80 points is a lot to give up, but it's only four games though. So you never know that number can fluctuate. It's at 80, probably exactly or 81 or something like that. But to give that up is a lot to give up 10 offensive rebounds and average is a lot to like that stuff's a lot. So I don't know. Like I'm hope hopefully 
they can get to that point where they can finish out the season unless they run into those those Mountaineers. I I, I wish them well. I wish them well. I wish them well. Yeah, yeah no, it, it really is. It really is incredible that they basically just kind of sacrifice the Pokes, right? Like, so we can kind of like the, the other the other hot take that I had was that Iowa is still good enough to get into the Final Four, and we can kind of lump this into the same conversation. But the the thing that really stood out to me uh, was that. Gonzaga basically said, like, okay, this is what we're going to do defensively. We're going to allow Luca Garza to go one-on-one. Like, it was like this down the stretch of the second half. We're going to allow him to go one-on-one because we know twos aren't going to beat us, and we think that we can score on every single possession. And if we're trading twos for twos, then they're not going to be able to make a comeback. No. So you saw that, like, they just kind of let Luca go one-on-one. And he yeah. got his buckets because if you're, if you're letting Luca go one-on-one of the post, like, he's going to get his yeah, buckets. he's going to get his buckets. And it, you, you saw it. Like, it was tough for Timmy. Like, Timmy started off mm-hmm. in the game actually outworking them, and then they were just like, all right, cool. We're just going to guard this one-on-one and just and, – and Luca did what he had to do. So I mean, the, the, the truth, though, is how many NBA centers right now would you be able to say, like, okay, you let him go one-on-one with Luca in the post, and they're going to stop him the majority of the time? Like, I, I, he's I, just he, – he just has footwork. He's strong as hell. He'll knock you – like, they – and the other thing is the refs let him get away with whatever he wants. Like, he'll yeah. turn and put an elbow straight to your chest and create that space. And, like, he's 260, solid muscle, and he's turning and putting that elbow straight in your chest. Like, there's nothing you're going to be able to do because yeah. he's he does it in a way that doesn't look like he's throwing that elbow, but you're getting that elbow straight to the chest. Straight he's keeping a, he keep, he's right keeping it, uh, he keep, keeping the ball high, keeping his elbows high, and just turning. I mean, and it's not mm-hmm. like many many bigs are just sitting there taking charges, like on that turn. You know, they they're trying to you know chest out with him, so they're catching that elbow straight in the chest for a hook or whatever else he's gonna do, up and under, whatever. And and I want to make it clear that like I don't I'm not saying that Luca Garza is like a cheater or he's getting away with stuff or the officials are are letting giving him like Kobe. Are you explaining this right now? Are you explaining this right now? Do you feel for, like you have to explain that? <laughs> for people that are listening, like look, Deshaun, you're 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 new to you're new to the podcast game. Uh, yeah, you yeah. have to make you have to make these things clear. First of all, right, Iowa cool. fans, Iowa fans are crazy. Okay, yeah. they are crazy. Second of all, yes, you have to make these things clear. So I am not saying that Luca Garza is getting away with stuff. I am saying <laughs> that the way that he plays makes him difficult to officiate. He's a physical player, but that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Like, he's not doing anything wrong, but you're going to, like, you have to strap up. You have to be tough if you're going to be able to guard him. And, like, there's not a lot of big guys in basketball right now that are able to do that. So, um, but the larger point is, Gonzaga just kind of let him do whatever he wanted to. And they are one of the few teams that can, that has the luxury of making the decision to say, okay, we're going to let you go one-on-one because we're going to play our four guards. And there's like, you ain't stopping us. There's no way that you're stopping us. So we'll just trade baskets. So I think that once teams have to start making that decision of, are we going to help on Luca or not? Like what we saw against North Carolina, like that's when Iowa becomes really, really, really dangerous. Yeah. I feel at the end of the day, man, with Iowa, it's, I feel like they need to uh, scheme a little bit better defensively. I feel like they need to – it's like one of those scenarios where the zone's not going to work consistently. It's not going to work the entire time unless you're playing against a team that just absolutely cannot shoot. The zone's not going to work the entire time. Your guards aren't great. Like, they're not the greatest. Excuse me. They're, they're solid. They're not the greatest defenders. And 
when teams put Luca in the ball screen, he's either all the way back in the paint or and if he comes up there, they're going right around him and they're getting mm-hmm. what they want. So you need to figure out like a, a some type of a, like a high flat or something to have him there and then have him back up or whatever the case may be to, to like, you have to figure something out as the coach as McCaffrey has to, because like, it's, it sucks to see these guys be so great offensively and be able to do whatever they want and have that presence inside that demands everybody to like shrink into the post and then be able to kick the ball out and get these great shooter shots and then turn around and just like give up a basket at any point in time. Like it, you, you almost like, like, so I see the question saying, like, do I think they're a Final Four team? Yeah, because at any point in time in the game, they can get hot. But, like, they can also lose the first round if they don't make shots and they just depend on him to make shots because he's not going to make 32 field goals in the game for them to win. So, like, this is, like, that's, like, I was, like, the number three team in the country due to the best one of the best players, if not the best player in the country. But, like, I can see how – people would argue they're overrated because of like how, how much you don't get from them defensively. Like is you, you really can't depend on them to, to get a, to get a stop or a stop a good team. Like it, you can, uh, you can depend on them offensively to shoot them out or, or make, you know, get a backdoor cut here, find Luca, Luca gets baskets from time to time. But if God forbid things don't work out, they, they're not getting a stop. And if they can't stop anybody that, you can, and if you get a team that gets hot, even close to hot as a Gonzaga did, I mean, what are they going to do? <laughs> but sit there, like you, they're going to sit there and lose a game. So, it's as easy as it, it is for them to possibly be in the Final Four and be a Final Four team because of the best player in the country on their team with an, a crazy amount of shooters around them. It's just as easy for them to get knocked off and then have him and Lucas Oilfield accepting his award but then going right home afterwards. So yeah, it, it's what will happen is the night where teams double Luca and Iowa shoots like they did against Gonzaga. The night that, that that happens is the night that Iowa loses. And you can't convince me against good teams for four straight games that Iowa is going to be able to uh, make down. So like, it seems like that's something that, that's, that's kind of risky. My honestly, I think my biggest concern right now with Iowa is that Jordan Bohannon has been awful. Like, I I don't know how else to say it. Like, he's been awful. Um, Against North Carolina, he had 24 points, uh, 8 for 17 from the floor, 7 for 16 from three, had six assists, was great. The other six games combined, he scored 22 points total. He shot 6 for 30 from three total. That's a problem. Like, if you're – if Jordan Bohannon, your point guard, one of your best shooters, is playing like that, I I, I mean, I understand. Like, he had – dual hip surgery over the summer, yeah. but they, I mean, they need more of them. They just, they looked like such a better team when they had uh, Joe Toussaint on the floor against Gonzaga. Than, than yeah, but he had. creates, he creates differently too, though. So like, I feel like I remember we watched that uh, UNC game and I was just in shock that he, this guy had this kind of green light. Uh, Bohannon. I was just like, the green light is insane. Like to mm-hmm. shoot that many threes him personally. But that's what McCaffrey wants from him, and that's what he's going to do. So they, you can't – it's going to be hard for them to tell him, like, all right, slow it down, relax. And then you can't even compare him and Tucson's game because Tucson's more of a, a creative. Like, he – the jump shot frees, frees Bohannon to do other things where 
like Trissant is he can do a lot of different things. Like he's not going to just stand there and catch and shoot the entire time. He he could put the ball on the floor. He could he attacks. He does a lot of different things. So it's tough to. There's going to be nights where he looks better if if Bohan is not shooting the ball well because like uh, that's yeah, the stuff yeah. that opens his game up for him. That's like mm-hmm. that's what he, he becomes that much faster. He becomes that much difficult to guard because of his jump shot. Where Toussaint is very skilled point guard, scoring guard who can get to the ball very crafty, get to the basket. I mean, very crafty. So they got very different games, and how they get into the game is very different. So it, it's tough. Like for them to be successful, though, Bohannon has to shoot the ball really well. I feel like Toussaint is a really, really good basketball player. He, I don't know if they win if they have him just be the guy though i feel yeah, like it's they, like they have to play well it's like fire and ice right you like the um you have one guy that does one thing you bring in another guy that does something completely different and it's the contrast of having to figure out how to defend the two that uh that that really makes him so effective it's just yeah and like i'm not even i'm not even saying jordan bohana needs to stop shooting i'm saying he needs to start making the shots making. That he's shooting. <laughs> it's really just that yeah. simple um make your shots i'm sorry <laughs> all right so the the last thing i got for you on on this like i, I don't we could talk a little bit about how good like Kisper and Joel Ayayi were. Like Joel Ayayi had 18 rebounds, man. Like that was huge. Um, Kisper, like his his passing and his shooting, like he's just I don't see any way that he doesn't play 10 years in the NBA. Like he's like he's definitely the next Joe Harris. This guy's like, yeah, Ten. like he's got he's got like the shaggy hair. Like he is he is tailor <laughs> made to be like somewhere between the next Kyle guy with the flow or like the next Joe Harris that moves to Brooklyn and becomes a hipster with a beard that everybody thinks is just some like randomly tall coffee shop guy that happens to be able to shoot like 42% from three in the NBA. Like that's what that's, that's Corey Kispert's future. I am writing his future for him right now. <laughs> so. um, no, but, but uh, the, the one thing that I do want to ask you is I've been saying since I saw Cade Cunningham at, at EYBL, um, that I think that he is like the lock to be the number one pick in this draft. Like what, when you have a six foot eight point guard that can do the things that he can do, that can pass the way that he can pass, that is shooting 41% from three so far this season. Uh, it's he's special. Like, I, I don't want to say that he's a generational talent. Cause I don't think that he's the same level as like a, like a LeBron or a KD or a Zion. Yeah. He's not even, he's, he hasn't shown that yet though. At least I'll say that he hasn't shown that yet at all. So yeah. And like, and I don't think, I don't even think that he's like a Luca, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I think that Cade, Cade Cunningham is a stud. I think that the, I've been convinced that he should be the number one pick over the likes of like Jalen green and Evan Mobley, like since I've seen those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I've watched like Jalen Suggs, I find myself in the spot where it's, this is the first time for the 2021 draft class where I've been like, okay, do I need to reevaluate Cade Cunningham being the number one overall pick? Because like Jalen Suggs, the shot making, the space that he can create off the dribble, what he is defensively, like his ability to play passing lanes, uh, the the shooting, like uh, seven for 10 from three. I know that's the, he's not going to make seven for 10 every night, yeah. but the fact that he can make some of those shots that he was hitting, uh, the explosiveness, like he can – we talked about this at the Kansas game, but he could go from like a standstill 23 feet away from the basket, one dribble and get to the rim while going through defenders. Like it's just, it's not normal what he can do. So am I overreacting to one hot shooting night and Cade Cunningham playing on a team where there's not enough shooting for him to be able to like, cause what makes Cade special is his ability to man- manipulate defenses with the pass, right? Yeah. It's like you put him in a ball screen, you force two to go to him, and he'll make the right decision. 
it's very hard to do that when your decision is, okay, do I pass the ball to someone that's shooting 23% from three, or do I try to beat this big that is, um, that is playing drop coverage while there's yeah. a guy behind me. So um, I, I don't think that, that Cade's in the best situation. So am I overreacting to that? Or is like Jalen Suggs legitimately a, a potential number one overall, overall pick? Wouldn't take anything away from you if you said you wanted to pick Jalen Suggs as the number one pick. Um, what he's shown is that, and this is what the, I want to say this is what the NBA would be like. But when you go to the NBA, there's going to be a very talented person to your right, very talented person to your left, talent on the blocks, everywhere in the, in the court. And Jalen Suggs has shown that if there's talent next to him, at least at this level, if there's talent next to him, he's still going to perform. Kate has shown that he could perform with talent not being next to him, next to him, whatever the case may be. So, like, you can't – it just – I feel like with the number one pick scenario or any type – any type of like player evaluations, it just, it always comes down to what the team needs. And, and if you look at the players and you're like, all right, cool. Kate comes the number one pick. Like it would have to make sense. Like it just, he has to fit where he goes. That's the kind of player he is. I feel mm-hmm. like Jalen Suggs as well is that kind of player. He has to fit where he goes. He can sit there and look how athletic he is and how fast he is in transition. And I see glimpses. I'm not saying he's exactly like it, but I see glimpses of like John Wall when he was in college, like glimpses mm-hmm. of like that speed. But like, it doesn't, <laughs> like, it, it won't matter either way. Like, it just depends on what team he goes to. Cause you know, you could have John Wall is great. And then you put him, He's been in the Wizards for years, and it just hasn't turned into anything. Hadn't turned into anything special. Maybe it'll be special this year. You don't know. Years have passed before you can see John Wall do what he can actually do. So, like, you just don't. You don't know. Like, it's hard to pick between Cade and and Jalen or whoever. It could be uh, my guy from USC. I always bring up uh, uh, Mobley, the big big Mobley. Like, it, like he could be. They say he's a, he has a chance to be a top five pick, even number one, depending on how everything goes. Like, it, it honestly, Suggs has a great had a great game. Shot the ball seven for ten. But uh, I still like Cade, man. I think Cade does a lot. He's poised. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen him faking the injuries yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just jokes, just jokes. But now nah, I haven't seen. Uh, I feel like Cade shows that he can, if he has a ton of talent next to him, he can display more of his talent. You see what what Jalen Suggs can do with this talent surrounding him, and he and it also he made a smart decision to go to Gonzaga and not mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. So like decisions weigh in as well. So like, yeah. I, but I, if I had to pick, I'd still go with Cade. I love Suggs' game though, man. I just love how he could go from slow to quick in a heartbeat. How he can just just casually be dribbling the basketball, one bounce, pick it up in a heartbeat, shoot the jump shot from the top of the key, in between screens, play with the screen, leave defenders in between. Like he's he's a young, he's a very very talented uh, guard, man. I I would say he, as far as athleticism, that's like almost he's has almost generational like athleticism for a guard, yeah. like his speed side to side, uh, back and forth. Like he's great with that. Yeah, I just for me, um, it's you always want to take the lead guard, especially in like the modern NBA where everything is so like heavily emphasized on, on ball screens and spacing and Mm -hmm. um, doing like the John Harden or the uh, James Harden stuff or or, uh, having just ball screen after ball screen after ball screen. I I just think it's very important to have someone that can do that. Um, So I'm always going to lean towards a guy like a Cade or a guy like a Jalen Suggs over someone like a Jalen green or an Evan Mobley. Um, But I I mean, 
Jalen Green and Evan Mobley are both terrific prospects that are that I think you know very real chance to be like long time all stars in the NBA. Yeah. So if you, it's it's a good year to be drafting in the top five. Um, I do want to circle back because you just you said something that's that's interesting. I, I want I want you to elaborate on this because you know you've you've played in the NBA, you've played in the G League, you've played on summer league rosters, you've played overseas, all over the place. Can you just kind of speak to the level? Of, like I don't think people realize the level of talent that are on the teams in the G league or the level of talent that are on these, these overseas teams, like just to put it into account, like in, in your case, you were, you were an all American on a final four team and you were, I, I don't want this doesn't mean to put you down, but like you were a second round pick, you played in the NBA for a little bit and then you played overseas. Like that should put into context just how difficult it is to make it to the league. Can you, can you just kind of speak to that a little bit about how tough, some of those like lower levels, I don't want to say lower levels of basketball, but like not the NBA are how difficult it is to make it there. I mean, it's a grind in general, like uh, regardless if it's the G league, regardless if it's uh, you're in the NBA and like the 15 dude, like it's always just a grind. So this is a lifestyle every day. You're in the gym before you're in, you're in the gym for practice, doing the team's things. You're in the gym afterwards, working on your stuff or your body or your health, like, you know, taking care of your body more or less. So it's just, at the end of the day, man, if you don't, if you're not a hundred percent locked in uh, what you're doing, you can't, you couldn't possibly like be over there for a long time. Like I see guys go over there and play for like two years and then just fizzle out. I seen guys go over there for three months and mentally they couldn't do it because it's not America. Like I seen some of the best guys that I like that played in the G League. Like I played in the, uh, the G League for a year, and I've seen guys that average like twenty five or frigging 13, 14 assists in the G League and then go overseas and it just doesn't work. Like, it's just a different style of basketball. And the sooner you adapt to the different style of basketball, and just like any basketball or any basketball team, you you learn your niche in that space or on that team or wherever the case may be, you just – you you do a better job. Like, there's there's guys over there that can play in the NBA. There's guys over there that play in the NBA that play in the NBA now. Like Brad Wanamaker, who was on my G League mm-hmm. team. We won the won it, uh, G League championship together. I saw him play, and we played against him in college. And I was like, oh, Brad, he's tough. And then I went I went uh, to the Spurs. Like, I was still hurt, but I walked, come back. I play in the G League. Brad's on my team. And I'm like, yo, he got way better. Like, he's really, really good. Fast forward a year. He's in Germany. I go to Germany. He's the best guard in Europe. <laughs> he's won. He's won the German. Uh, he won the German championship and German cup like two, three times already. He ends up going over to uh, to Turkey, playing for a, a year, and then he ends up going over. Uh, excuse me. He ends up coming back to America and playing with the, the, the Celtics. And everybody's calling me like, "Oh, I'm so shocked that Brad won him." It's like, no, he's been the be- for the for like a couple of years. He was like the best guard, if not second best guard in all of Europe. So yeah. like, and he stuck to it. So it's, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, <laughs> if you don't mind missing family gatherings and <laughs> things of that nature and you love the game and so on and so forth, man, this is, it could be a great career for a lot of people, but it's not easy at all. Yeah. My theory has always kind of been, you have, you have the freaks, right? You have the the Kevin Durant and the Kawhi Leonard's and the LeBron's that are just like, that are, that are not normal. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like you, you have people that are just like completely unique in every aspect. Yeah. Um, then you have the guys that are just like the obvious pros, which are um, the all-stars and the NBA starters and the guys that are just like too good to not 
be playing in the NBA. And that probably makes up like a third. PJ, PJ Tucker, guys like that. Yeah, like guys PJ like Tucker. that. Like PJ Tucker ran everything overseas, like ran through everything overseas. Players of the year, friggin' Euro Cup championship, Euro League championship, won like by the time every country I went to, PJ Tucker was like there and he did whatever he wanted for a year there already. And then he came back to the NBA and then was on the NBA team from then on. Yeah. So you have those guys that are just obvious pros, right? Yeah. And then beyond that, for like the last 200 people in the NBA, so like the last six, seven, eight people on every roster, the last couple people in every rotation, it's all about being able to find the right fit because the the the, the marginal difference in like talent between like the the ninth guy on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets versus like the guy, like the second leading scorer for somebody in Ulm is really not all that much. It's no. about someone that is willing to buy into the role that they're being asked to play. Someone yeah. that is going to be like a good locker room person. Someone that is a good practice player. Someone that is not going to like be getting drunk every night that they go to every night that they're on the road out until like 5 a.m. causing problems, getting DUIs, like the people that are the model pros that find the right fit with the right organization. And like, to be frank, get lucky. Those are the guys that end up making it. And there's a lot of players that are in the, they, that are playing in the G league or that are playing overseas that just, that haven't gotten that right fit or haven't gotten that break or haven't gotten that chance. So um, I, I don't know. I just always like to bring that up because people are always like, Oh, he's a bust. You know, he, he's the eighth man on the bench in the NBA. No, nah, if you make great. the NBA, that's if great, you get, <laughs> if you get a, like if you make the NBA, you've made it. If you get a second contract in the NBA, like you're probably one of like the three or four best players to ever come out of the state that you grew up in. Yeah, you know, or that the, you're probably the best player to ever come out of your town or your city. So it's just I like to reemphasize that every time I get the chance, just to make the point that like it, it ain't easy to make the NBA. like that's the hardest no. job in the world. There's right. 500 NBA jobs. There's 500 of them. What is it like something crazy like this? Like it's like a, only like 3,000 or like, what is it? Like 4,000 people have ever like played in, in <laughs> yeah. it. Like It's like something, the number, yeah. is like overall number is like insane. It's like, it's not many people that's ever yeah. played. It's it's the hardest job in, in, in America to get, except yeah. for maybe the president of the United States. But I don't know if we could say that anymore. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to get political on this podcast. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. stop. <laughs> not gonna do it all right um i got nothing else to add on uh on gonzaga or iowa so uh before we get into a little bit of talk about um rutgers because we have to talk about that let me tell you guys a little bit about home field apparel uh, home field is an independently owned and officially licensed collegiate apparel company uh, based out of indianapolis they are indiana fans they love indiana football they are heartbroken right now uh, so before I get into the actual ad and tell you about them, just please like tweet at Home Field Apparel, no E in apparel, it's just Home Field, A-P-P-A-R-L, and just be like, keep your head up, guys. It's okay. I know that Indiana, they, they didn't get the, the the bowl game they wanted to, but it's it's okay. So just let them know. They need they need a little bit of a pick-me-up. Um, but they're, I think they're, they're this really awesome company, and they're someone that I actively try to uh, – to partner with because I really believe in what they're doing and I really like what they're doing. And it's not just because uh, they're sponsoring us and I'm saying this stuff. They are um, what they do is they go out and they mine all of the old logos and all of the old school logos and all the throwback stuff that you love. And they take them 
They get them officially licensed. They repurpose them. They redesign them and they throw them onto t-shirts and hoodies and sweatpants and all, like anything that you could possibly want, any kind of gear. Uh, and they sell them and, and they're awesome. And if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're into some of the throwback stuff, if you're into some of the old school stuff, like just go to homefieldapparel.com, scroll through some of the, the products that they have. And I promise you, you're going to like it. The, the designs are great. And I can vouch for just how comfortable the t-shirts are. Like they, you don't get the saggy necks, you don't get the loose arms, you can wash them and they're not going to shrink and, and make it so that like, you can see just how big my, uh, my COVID gut is right now. Um, when you wash them and dry them, you, you know how some t-shirts get all like loose around the bottom. They don't do that. It's that's, that's the most frustrating thing for me about getting a t-shirt is when you, you dry it and it gets all loose and dangly at the bottom. So um, if you go to homefieldapparel.com and you do find something you like and you buy it, if you use the promo code field of 68, that's field of 68, you'll get 20% off with your first purchase. And if you do like what you're hearing on the show or on the field of 68 network, uh, the best way to help us would be to go and buy something from one of our sponsors. So uh, go and sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook or go and buy something from Homefield Apparel. Uh, that's the uh, the best way to do it. And Deshaun, I say this every week, but if you, like Deshaun, are a West Virginia fan or a fan of anybody that has not seen their team like get licensed yet, uh, just tweet at them and let them know that this is what you want, this is what you're looking for, this this, this is what you would spend money on because they will make it. They will find a way to get a license and they will make it if you can make it happen. So homefieldapparel.com, promo code field of 68 for 20% off your first purchase. Deshaun, here's my third overreaction. It's that you owe Rutgers a huge apology, an enormous apology. One of your your best friends is on the staff and you picked Illinois over them. You don't go into the rack and win. Nobody goes into the rack and wins. I've done it before. It's not like <laughs> this is this is not a this is not some holy place here. This is this is just the rack, all right. But no, I got to give them the just do, man. Rutgers, uh, they uh, they that was did. that was that was impressive. That was a no, really it was impressive very one. impressive, man. Because they they I hate to say I hate using this word, but they exposed Illinois and. Once you expose a team, I can't see any other team not taking that scouting report and then just using it over and over. And it'll make Illinois better, hopefully, before a tournament comes because they need the uh, they need those reps of guarding ball screens and uh, and guarding and taking care of the paint and guarding the paint, man. Like just watching the game, bro. Like first of all, I don't know where Adam Miller was today. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, He's in foul trouble for most of the Yeah, I was just like, I don't know where he was at mentally. Like, it, was, it wasn't it was what I thought it was supposed to be. And then not to mention, uh, as the game went on, it was a very cl- – it was, first of all, started off a little lopsided. I thought Illinois was doing what they had to do, and I was worried about Rutgers. And Rutgers came, and they punched him in the mouth, uh, literally and, uh, <laughs> literally and uh, figuratively. Um the uh, what's the guy's name? I call. I was calling him the irritant the entire time when I was talking to my wife. I was like, "Yo, Ma Makahali or Makahi, the, the, the Ma, guy who yeah. sounds like he's, he should be <laughs> in uh, <laughs> the headband." The that headband. dude was cracking me up. First, nah, like, yeah, first bro. of all, first of all, he doesn't. He does His flow isn't right for the headband, right? You know how like Corey Corey Kisper has it, it's kind of curly and kind of shaggy, and it just it kind of falls over the headband, right? Yeah, not like, his. Yeah, no, his 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 ain't right. Like a, like a chicken chicken hawk like thing. It was like it was pretty cool. His hair was hanging over the front, and it was, it was like the triangle like, right in front. Uh, yeah, exactly. I liked it, but 
once again, he he came in there. He like kind of I kind of felt like he mucked it up a little bit. Like <laughs> was talking crap. Tra- he was talking trash. Got my guy uh, Demonte Williams out of the game. Like got him out of it mentally, and then got him fouled out. Got him a flagrant foul. Got a, just he was just in their heads. I think Rutgers was in their heads a, a ton the entire game. Young was amazing. Uh, he he almost flushed a dunk down the day, bro. If he had dunked Ooh, that yeah. one. That might have uh, the game probably would have been over right then. Like he could have saved themselves the entire time. <laughs> Kofi, Kofi would have had to leave. Yeah. Kofi would not mad. have been allowed to return. Like he would have had to take the early flight home. Yeah, <laughs> man. But what I will say, um, Rutgers, like they created a great de- defensive atmosphere um, out there in the court, as far as like protecting their basket, shot blocking shots, getting steals. Um, they out rebounded them, even though it was by one. They still out rebounded them, um, especially offensively. Um, and if anything, I would just say they they did a great job of one the scout the the exposing part I'm talking about is they got back in transition in transition defense and then made Illinois play half court basketball, which if AO's not scoring the ball and and Kofi's not just ducking in wild and getting the ball, it almost looks like Illinois doesn't have any half court offense. And then after they, they get the stop, they push it at them, and they, they were scoring. And if they didn't score in the transition, they get in the half court, put them in ball screens, and then just attack the basket and went right into Kofi's and right into George's chest, daring them to block shots. And they didn't block any shots. They didn't stop anybody from doing anything. So they were getting baskets in the paint, around the basket, whenever almost whenever they wanted to. The guards weren't really doing much on the ball screen. Um it it just didn't look good. And the last point I will make is they just do a great job of pinpointing when they're going to get the ball to, to Ron Harper Jr., bro. Like, yes. And, yes. Then they, and they took advantage of the mismatch, like, perfectly. It wasn't like one of those mismatches where he gets it and he's just, like, holding the ball for seven seconds, trying to figure out what move he wants to do or just pounding the ball, uh, posting him up and pounding him in his chest and everything. They pass the ball. He gets it. He passes it. He cuts makes the ball like, the balls on the right side of the court he cuts to the left they they swing the ball get it to him attack right away and it's get getting him in spaces and spots where he can you know play his best basketball like they just took advantage and exploited uh that mismatch with Ron Harper Jr. And once again I was I was a fan before I'm a big fan of Ron Harper Jr. now after watching him just full out play the entire game I'm a really big fan of his I still it was uh upset at Ben's message to me that I was hurt. Hmm. <laughs> so shout out to Ben Asher. That's my guy, man. Those, those guys are doing a great job with the uh, workers team. Man. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's important to note that these, all of these things happened in this game. Illinois jumped out to, I think it was as much as a 12 or a 14 point lead in the first half. Yeah. They shot nine for 15 from the floor or from three. That's that's 60%. Yeah. They shot 54% from the floor. Right, they got ten of thirty potential offensive rebounds, which means they had a thirty-three percent offensive rebounding rate, which is really, really good. Yes, they only turned the ball over thirteen times in a game that had roughly, let me do the quick math, roughly about seventy-five percent, seventy-five possessions, which is really good. Yes, and they lost. They lost. They lost that game. Illinois lost the game where they had 13 turnovers. They got 10 offensive rebounds. They shot 60% from three, and they shot 54% from the floor. And they lost that game, even though they were up by, like, 14 in the first half. That is – like, I, I can't tell you how impressive that is 
for Rutgers to be able to make that comeback and win that game. Um, to your point, I, I'm just, I love watching Steve Peichel teams play. I love watching them play because they are so detailed oriented when it comes to scouting report, uh, report stuff. And they, they, they have such creative, like little sets and little actions. Like there was one that they went to a couple times for Ron Harper jr. Where um, they would have him set a ball screen. Right. And then they would use someone else to set a flare screen for him right after he set the ball screen. So instead of rolling, yeah. he would flare off of the, the, off of a back screen and the, the yeah. play was designed to get him a wide open three. And they got that a couple times. And that, I mean, that's just, when you're going up against a team that you know is going to have a ton of help because of the way that they they guard those or the way that Illinois guards those ball screens, like it's just so smart. It's mm-hmm. such just something so small, but it's so smart. And then you get your best player wide open rhythm threes. Like he didn't score for the first 17 minutes until he hit one of those threes. And then oh by the way, he had 25 in the second mm-hmm. half and finished yeah. finished with 28 and nine. So yeah. um, that was that was a very very impressive win to me. Uh, enough that I would be willing to say that right now I think Rutgers belongs in the conversation with Wisconsin and with Iowa and with maybe still Illinois as the best team in the big 10. I think that they're like definitively better than Michigan state. Like I, I think they might even be. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. if. if, (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't see that coming today. I'm not going to hold you. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was not good. Tom Izzo's press conference was entertaining Um, for people that don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Michigan state lost at Northwestern. Um, I, I I honestly don't think it's that surprising. Northwestern has been better than people like think they are. They're, they're ranked as a top 70 team on Kempom. Like all the metrics have them as really good. And uh, Michigan state like is not, they're not the fourth best team in the country. They're six and zero, and they won at Duke. So people think that they're like what Michigan State normally is. They're not. They're 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 just not. Like they don't have point guard play. Um, all of their bigs are young. They're trying to replace like two of the best playmakers that they've ever had in the program it's history. Like they're just they're not they're they're not as good as we would expect a Michigan State team to be. So I'm not I'm not that like the numbers are good. Like the fact that it's a top five team is going to make it be like oh wow. But it's not to me. That Still, wasn't all that surprising. Gotta, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, I think Rutgers is like I, legitimately a top ten team. My am I completely losing my mind here? Man, if I, I don't want to say this to make it sound wrong, but if if Luca can drag that team to a, a top three team, I feel like Rutgers can like they don't. I don't feel like the the rest of the team is like being held together by Ron Harper. Ron Harper is a great player and that team plays very, very well. So I can't say like, it's just led by one guy. Like it's, it's a really good basketball team. Like watching them today, the thing that just impressed me about them is just how they, how they play defense together, bro. It was, it was like very, like, it was almost like the game rebound together. They, they were, they were very energized to get like, it was, it was like, it was enjoyable to watch the game. Cause they both like both teams were chirping back and forth with each other. It was a very enjoyable game, but watching how Rutgers came together defensively and basically did what you would think Illinois would do <laughs> to Illinois. Like they, they ran on them and then they got them a half court and then they, they just punished them and, and just literally slow, like slowly, but surely punished, punished people one by one mismatches and finding wide open shots through small wrinkles and small sets. And they just, they slowly beat them and then took the lead. And then once I, once they got the lead, I was like, they're not getting this lead back. 
Like once the Rutgers got the league, I was like, Illinois is not getting it back. It's over. Like there's nothing they could do about this. You saw the text message. I was like, Benny, congrats. It was 12 yeah. minutes left in the game. I was like, congrats, bro. It's over. All right, let's 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 switch it up. We both really like Rutgers. That was a really impressive win. Yeah, very much um, so. Before we get into the the questions that we're going to take today, uh, just real quick, like how much of the Xavier win over Marquette did you see? Are you buying Xavier as a potential like top three or four team um, in the Big East? They are eight zero right now. They do have a win over Marquette at home. Uh, they have beaten Cincinnati. They did run Oklahoma out of the gym. Um, I was a little bit torn on them just because. I don't think that their wins over over uh, Cincinnati and Oklahoma are as impressive as they looked at the time. But I mean, man, it's, it's tough to argue with eight no with those wins. Like we we talked about it. Who did we talk about it with last week? Kansas, where yeah. at some point it just becomes like you may be winning close games, but winning close games is a skill. Yeah, um, and they're winning close games. Man, shout out Paul Scruggs, twenty nine points, yeah. six assists, three steals, five for eight from three, eleven for nineteen from the floor. Like I, we've been waiting for a long time to see Paul Scruggs make the leap as a player, and whew, he made that leap. Also, shout out Adam Kunkel. You see that game winner he hit? Yeah, man, that was and it called and it called. Someone called it. I don't know if it was him, but somebody called it. They're like, oh, it was game. so funny. I was like, what? I heard because you can hear everything in there. So yeah, really you, I, you heard cool. someone call okay. game, and you heard someone go like he shoots it, and you back it up, and you're that's cash. It's like that's cash. That's what I, that's yeah. what it was. Like that's cash. Yeah. I was like, what? Swish. Yes, it was. was like, wow. And he had a good game today too. Besides that shot, I mean, once again, like when I to your question. I feel like Xavier is like a three or four in the conference still, even though they beat Marquette like they did today. I still like Marquette because Marquette has proven to themselves beating two ranked teams already. Mm-hmm. They play some, some good competition and it is a skill to win as long as you win games. And it is a skill to win close games if you do it a lot. But it, I mean, how many games does Xavier play? Like they played eight, they're eight. No, so far. So they ain't no so far. I mean, it's only right to give them their flowers. I don't think they're still like the top two or top three in the Big East. Though I, I like, I like Creighton too much at the, the second the second team. Even though uh, uh, Zagorowski uh, had a terrible like he's been playing. He's, he's got to get it together at some point. Yeah, man. yeah, man. This is not what I was looking for uh, to for the Big East Player of the Year uh, preseason guy here. I, it's uh, it's just not working out at the moment. But it's still early. We. It is what it is. It's still he has his conference play and so on and so forth. So like I'm expecting him to like step up as the 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 game. I mean as the year goes along. Um, I like seeing Hall too. I mean and and once again I bring up uh, excuse me I bring up Marquette and they lost back to back. Um, I I'd give Xavier the three spot or four spot. It's like it's tough. It's in between there, but they're not. They can't be top two. Like I, Creighton's like two. They're too well rounded for me. I like the way they they play. I think. If Marcus Zagorowski is this guy this year, like he had knee surgery in the offseason. If he is yeah, this yeah. guy this year for the whole season, then it becomes a very different conversation. But assuming that Marcus Zagorowski gets back to being himself, then yes, I think that Creighton's a clear number two team in the league. And honestly, I think that 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 Xavier might be that third best team. Yeah. Uh, we got to see if like the shooting continues. You know, they're not going to make 13 for 24 from three every single yeah. night. Um, but I mean, if they're they're dangerous. If Paul Scruggs is playing like this, and you put all those shooters around him, and now they have Adam Kunkel. Yeah, that's a, that's 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 a good basketball team. All right, yeah. let's let's get into some of these questions from uh, from listeners. I only got two good ones today. Um, we didn't have yeah, Coach Hop. Coach Hop didn't chime in. Yeah, thank um, goodness. Yeah, I didn't want any stories about me popping up with Coach Hop. Man, he knows too much yeah. about me. 
All right, so we're <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna stick with uh with that that Creighton and Marcus Zagorowski thing. Um, so Max Schneider asks, UConn is an RJ Cole free throw two away from walking out with a win against Creighton. Can they intend? Can they contend in the Big East with a Cook a Cook back? Is it too soon to tell? Um, so what do you what do you make of that UConn uh, UConn Creighton game? Um, and you know how. <laughs> How bad should RJ Cole be feeling right now after you missed two free throws that could ice that one in 10 seconds left? Don't say that name to me. Um, Anyway, I'm just joking. Now, um, when we talked about this prior, I remember remember picking uh, Creighton to win that game anyway. Um, UConn just came off a two-week break of, like, uh, postponing games and canceling games and so on and everything. So uh, I picked picked Creighton to win that game just because it's not easy to – to just come off of that break and then play basketball. And then, and then Creighton's a ranked, ranked team who's very, very good, very well-rounded team in scoring. Um, Christian Bishop is a good player. Jefferson's a good player. Zagorowski's great. Mahoney played well today. Uh, and at the same time in my head, I thought, you know what? I watched Butler come out from not playing games for a while, and Butler looked great. And I thought about it. I was like, this is going to be a pretty good game. And then I watched, uh, I want to say, the second half of the game. And I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not, I wasn't disappointed at all with how UConn played. I felt like not playing for a long time and this, them coming out and playing the way they did today, pushing the number, which was a number nine team in the country, overtime and basically was a free throw away from winning the game. Like, nah, I don't feel, I don't think. UConn has anything to hold their head about at all, except for that last free throw. Um, but like, they shot 35%. They shot terrible. They were tired. They shot terrible. And they still fought and stayed in the game, you know, through defense. And, like, I think they had nine steals, four, uh, four, four blocks. Like, they, play, they played hard. You know, Tyrese Martin rebounded the basketball. Book, Book Knight had 40. Uh, went R.J. Cole to do better than two for 13 from the field. But, like, None of that even mattered because they still had the opportunity to win the game. So I really don't feel like UConn has anything to worry about. And it's good to see Creighton actually win a, a, a win a close game too. So, I mean, it worked out for everybody. The only thing I would knock about the entire game, which I was disappointed with, was Christian Bishop. And I remember me and you talked about this last time. You know, he's going to be playing a big man role. And he needs to play bigger than what he is. And – he can't go out there. He had he had great scoring tonight. He scored 19 points, but he only had like five boards. I think like what do you call Mahoney? I rebounded him by like freaking seven or something like that. And it's, I mean, you can't expect him to get every rebound, but at the same time, you know, I want him to 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 do a little bit better when when I watch him because I mean, he's I feel like besides Zagorowski, like he's a he's also another person that can be like a foundation as far as the post players. So. Yeah, you know, honestly, it was nice to see Book Knight go off like that. And, yeah, you know, we've been we've been hyping him for a while. I know you can't UConn fans are are incredibly excited about what he can be this season, but I do think that it is a very big problem that UConn got forty from their star. Marcus Zagorowski was four for fourteen from the floor, one for eight from three, uh, with three assists and five turnovers, and UConn could not win that game. It, like if you're if you're playing in your building and your star goes for 40, you should never be losing. If you're playing in your building, your star goes for 40 and the other team's best player has an awful night, like 
you should be winning by double digits. And you should be, but like how how much can that happen if you're shooting twenty three percent from well, from I mean eight? That's like the they, problem. Like you, you can't couldn't make shots. And I mean, they just came off of a two week hiatus, bro. Like they're, I mean, I'm not saying they haven't worked out for two weeks. It's, I, I understand your point too. There's no excuse, but yeah, well, I mean that, well, that if there is an excuse, that's it. Because, uh, you know, RJ Cole, uh, Brendan Adams and Jalen Gaffney shot combined four for 26 from the floor. Yeah. They were combined two for 16 from three. And like, those guys are better than that. And the question that, that we need to be, asking the question that um, is probably going through Danny Hurley's head right now is are those guys that player that what we saw today, or are they better than that? And if they're better than that, and they just had an off night because of of legs and because of being out and because they were rusty, they haven't played in 17 days. And like, I get it. Makes sense. I understand. Um, But the bottom, the bottom line is. Was that it? I want a different play at the end of the game. Like, yeah. Where they uh the, the end of the uh, regulation, man. I wanted Danny Hurley to run something extremely different to get the ball in, in someone else's hands. Now, obviously, RJ Cole is a, a good player in the team, like, but you had three guys in that backcourt to get open. It's just like it was a lot of people in that backcourt. He 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 damn near fell out of bounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he got lucky and they called a foul. And he like threw it off the backboard and the shot went to the left, I think, or whatever the case may be. Like, I feel like they that, that it could have been a better setup to get whoever needed the ball, someone else to get the ball. <laughs> and the, the one thing that I will say, like in his defense, um, RJ Cole had not missed a free throw all season long. Now he was only four for four, but he had not missed a free throw all season long. Uh, the last two years um, at Howard, he was a 79% free throw shooter over two seasons while taking like 500 free throw. He averaged 27 a game when he was at Howard. So like he was a bucket getter. Yeah. Um, and he shot like 80% from the free throw line. So six like, for six today, too. Until yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm I'm sure that, like, Danny Hurley was like, okay, this is the guy that never misses in practice. He shoots 97% whenever we do free throw drills or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 Comes yeah, out yeah, and he misses yeah. those, too. So, like, I get it. Book Knight was also gassed by the end. I think everyone on UConn was gassed by the end. So, like, it's understandable, um, but it's something to keep an eye on, right? It's something to keep an eye on long term in, in that – they, they they need more support. It's just as simple as that. They need a better supporting cast and a better performance from that supporting cast. Yeah, right. I said La- yeah, you're right. Yeah. So um last question we got from Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh it's about Wisconsin, obviously. Are the Badgers as good as they looked against Louisville, or was it more the fact that Carly Jones was out and the Cardinals were shorthanded? Uh for people that weren't watching, Louisville lost by four hundred and sixty-seven points. Close. Against Wisconsin on uh, on Saturday, I think they were down twenty eight to four with thirteen yeah. minutes left. For like it was, it was a beatdown. They they took Louisville's soul uh, yeah. five minutes into that game, and then when they when they got to twelve, I think they, they scored another twenty points. Yeah, it's <laughs> like bad. Um, I don't think I'm worried about Louisville. Um, I personally, I, I picked the uh, Wisconsin to beat them either way. Um, I thought that, I thought honestly, even if uh. Jones played. I just thought that Potter and uh, Rover and and Trice would just do be too much. I, I just really like. I actually enjoy watching Trice play. I'm actually a fan of his. So I thought that Wisconsin would have a little bit more for them. They play. They they they're not a very like fast team in transition, but they get in the half court. And they play very fast and they pinpoint where they want 
to find mismatches. They do a lot of screening with their bigs. And then once they get mismatches, someone switches. They Potter does a great job. And Reavers does a great job of finding those mismatches, finding each other. Uh, they do a ton of posting up. So I, a team with two centers that play together and they play that well in the, in the post together. Like I, I wasn't too worried about Louisville uh, stopping them, especially at home. The fact that Jones didn't play, obviously, like that's 20 points they could have used. Um, <laughs> I mean, and even then it was still ugly. So yeah, I, I don't think we need to worry about Louisville. I just think they, they got, they didn't, they didn't shoot the ball. Well, they didn't do really too much well. And they, got outclassed and into someone else's gym like this they just go back to the drawing board and they'll go back to their conference and they'll be fine i mean they were missing three starters yeah like you know, you... malik malik williams isn't there he's got a, a broken foot or whatever it is yeah. charles midland wasn't there the transfer from san francisco carly jones who's their best player um has a chance to be an all-american might be a pro he wasn't there the, the thing that makes their their attack so so lethal is you have two of the best ball screen point guards that you're ever going to find on one roster in Carly Jones and David Johnson. Mm-hmm. And without Carly Jones there, like you're losing the better one. And it just kind of it, it makes their offense very predictable. So um no, I'm not I'm not worried about Louisville long term. I also yeah. think that this was a great example of just how good Wisconsin can be. Like yeah. Louisville's still a good team. They're not 37 points worse than Wisconsin without yeah. those guys, but they had seven players on the roster and Wisconsin came out and, and ended it. Like they, how often do we see teams end up getting up by 20 and allowing somebody back in it? Cause they just kind of, you know, get lose focus or whatever. So mm. they get up big, they step on their throats and they end the game. They were up by like 35 at one point. So um, I, the, to answer that question, like the answer to both of them is yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were fine. They'll be fine. I mean, excuse me. And Wisconsin was just great, bro. It's just the way they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. All right, that's all we got today, um, Deshaun. It's always a pleasure, my man. Um, Same here, bro. Likewise. Make likewise. sure, make sure moving forward, you give Rutgers their flowers. You keep. I, get, I handed put some respect flowers. on their name. That I did. <laughs> I'm still pick, I'm picking name. the next. I'm picking the other team next time. Yeah, there you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> They're gonna play all somebody right, really good. Yeah. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> all right, man. Um, until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys later, Deshaun. It's always a pleasure. Same here, bro. You guys be good.